Yep. <laughs> she warned me. Hi, everyone. So good to be with you today. Um, it is an honor and a privilege. And uh, when Tyler asked me to come share with you today, um, I, I couldn't um, say yes fast enough. Um, once my schedule cleared up, it was like, at first I had to tell him no because of some other stuff. And then once my schedule cleared up, it was like, oh yeah, I get to go to Blaine. This is awesome. So very, very excited um, to be here with you. Um, so just a little bit about me. Um, I grew up in Skagit County. Anybody from Skagit here? Nope, nobody. <laughs> I'm holding my own on that one. <laughs> um, I've attended CTK for seven years. Um, I was on the downtown campus staff for six of those years, and then uh, just took on the new role um, as network um, prayer pastor this year. So uh, lots, of, lots of time at CTK over the years which has been just a, a privilege. Um, I'm a big fan of my friends, um, very much including Karma, <laughs> and my family. I have two nephews who I adore. They're very cheeky. And I would consider myself a lazy gardener. Anybody garden in here? Yes, love it. Um, and this is an important piece. If I could live in England for at least three months out of the year, I would love that place. So that's just a little bit about me. And as Karma mentioned, I recently taken on this new role, um, and it is very exciting to be preaching today um, in this um, just summer summertime kind of one-off message. But what's really exciting is that word on the street is that Tyler's actually going to be doing a series on prayer coming up. So um, this is just a little bit of a primer um, for that series, which I'm very excited that you guys get to jump into that. Um, some people have asked me, um, what do I do as the prayer pastor? <laughs> and um, in case you're wondering, no, I do not sit in my office and just pray all day long, which I have nothing against. <laughs> um, but I do get the opportunity to build on and create a strong prayer culture within all six CTK campuses. So it's a big job and one that I'm learning um, is uh, like most jobs and if not all jobs in ministry, um, I have to be highly, highly, highly dependent on the Lord um, to to direct my steps. I feel like I'm I'm getting, you know, it's there's a reason there's a lamp before our feet, not way out ahead of us. <laughs> it's one little baby step at a time as we work towards building that culture. But it's very, very exciting work that I get to do. And as you might imagine, I am really passionate about prayer. Um, but the thing is, I am even more passionate about God. Prayer is just the access point that we have to him. So today we're going to be in the book of Isaiah, and because we don't have slides, if you have your Bible with you, you can pull out your Bible or your phone and turn to Isaiah 6, and we'll get there in just a couple minutes. Um, 
but we're going to be in the book of Isaiah, which is quickly becoming one of my favorite books of the Bible. And I'm going to share just a few observations that I've had on prayer from this section of scripture. But before we get there, let me just pray for us. Lord, we are dependent on you, and I thank you for that gift. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like a gift, but I just want to say, Lord, that it is a gift to you to surrender to you, to lean back on you, because you are our good father. You are a good shepherd, and you know how to lead us crazy sheep. You know how to bring us peace. You know how to bring us restoration. You know how to challenge us, Lord. You know our needs. You know how to feed us well, give us water. And Lord, we just depend on you today. I, I depend on you today, Lord, in this message. And I thank you for it. I thank you for this community and ask, Lord, that you would help us to be receptive. Help us to be present to this moment, to be listening for what you have for each one. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God that still speaks and that you, um, you have a message for each one of us. We love you. Amen. So have you ever received a message or maybe a voicemail that you didn't respond to? It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, have you ever completely, this is true confessions here, have you ever completely deleted a text message or a voicemail that you didn't respond to? Yes. Okay, good. We're all in good company here. <laughs> um, it happens, right? And note that I did not even mention email because nobody responds to email at all these days. Um, but most of the time what was sent in a text or a voicemail or something just kind of gets lost in the shuffle of life, right? We, we get these things and then they kind of, maybe we deem it as unimportant. We forget about it. We move on. Maybe we're scrolling through text and voicemails later and we realize, oh, we never really got back to that person. <laughs> Oops. And sometimes we just don't know how to, to respond, right? Maybe we're actually a little bit scared about what that message might mean. So we ignore it and we hope it goes away. Some time passes, you see the person who sent the message, and you're like, ah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't respond to your message, did I? Things maybe get a little bit awkward for a minute. You try to move on. It's okay, I've done it. It's been done to me. And sometimes the messages that get sent aren't received, and sometimes they are, because they're significant, because they're important. So this is the theme of today's message. Um, sometimes we hear and respond to what God has for us, who we can only assume relays important messages, and sometimes we don't. So we're diving into a passage in Isaiah that might be familiar to you where God clearly delivers a message to the prophet Isaiah, and Isaiah has a choice to respond to the message, ignore it, or just refuse it entirely. So we're going to turn there um, in just a minute, but first, who is Isaiah? 
Isaiah was a prophet to Israel between 739 and 681 BC. His name means Yahweh is salvation, which was hugely significant. And in case you're wondering, a prophet is someone who speaks on God's behalf, having been inspired by God. So a prophet is a, is a spokesperson for God. They spoke in God's name and by his authority. Simply put, prophets relayed messages from God to a person or to a group of people. So the Bible is full of prophets that God shared messages with. Samuel, who called the people and kings of Israel to humility. Elijah, who tried to call the Israelites back from worshiping false gods and idols to worship of the one true God. Jonah had a message of warning for the Ninevites. Anna and John the Baptist spoke of Jesus as the coming Messiah. And of course, Jesus himself. He was a prophet unlike any other whose words must be heard, believed, and obeyed if one wants to be saved. So we see, especially in the Old Testament, that a prophet had the role of holding people accountable to the God of Israel. The book of Isaiah is filled with really, really sobering accounts. If you've read any of them, you'll see uh, really sobering accounts of Israel's sin, rebellion, and Isaiah's messages of warning of coming judgment. But there is also a lot of hope that Jesus, the Messiah, would come and establish God's kingdom on earth and create a new Jerusalem. For generations, Isaiah's words encouraged thousands of people who waited in anticipation for the Messiah and for God to set right all that had been wrong. Isaiah was a pretty important person in this time. I say all of this just to give you some context for where we're headed and where, where this is coming from in Isaiah 6, because often when we just kind of drop ourselves in the middle of Scripture, we need to know where, where in context we're, we're talking, where we're pulling these truths from, where we're, what, uh, what's happening around um, the point in time that these Scriptures are being written and, and talked about. So it's with all of this in mind, Isaiah being a prophet to Israel to receive and share God's messages, that Isaiah gets a very special commission from God, a prophetic vision with a message to share with the pe people of Israel. Again, he's bringing warning, but he's also bringing hope. So today, we're actually going to narrow in on what happens right before Isaiah shares this message. It's a very important part of the story when God, when Isaiah sees God in all of his glory. Can you imagine? It's a super powerful, very, very stunning image that is laid out in scripture. And it is a very real experience for, for Isaiah who lives through it. This is a significant moment in Isaiah's life. This prophet who is greatly used by God has this encounter with the Lord that makes him ready and prepared to do God's will. So think burning bush, Moses, God, <laughs> holy ground, awe, wonder. This is kind of a little bit of a shake in your boots kind of moment. 
if you encountered God, this might, this might happen to you. You would be a little bit taken aback. This is the holy of holies that we're talking about. This is a moment when Isaiah received a message, and he had a choice to make. So we're going to jump into Isaiah 6, verse 1. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. So just hit pause for just a second. We're going to review this section because the symbolism and the power in this vision is truly incredible. First, it's important to note that King Uzziah is mentioned because he started out as a great king, listening and obeying God, but things went downhill pretty fast when he stopped listening. So Isaiah is given this vision by God because Israel had stopped Listening. So we're going to talk a little bit more about on that later. But Isaiah sees a God so holy that his train, like a bride on her wedding day, fills the entire room. So just imagine a train. I mean, this place is probably quite small in comparison, but imagine a train filling a whole room. That is a big train. So it fills the room, and he is, God is being attended to. He's being adorned. And it meant him being on this throne. I am important enough that I don't have to work. I am a person of honor. I am a person of dignity. And others serve me and wait upon me. There's so much symbolism in these verses. Then Isaiah sees the seraphim, which means burning ones. So think really powerful angels who appeared to Isaiah on fire. So... That's pretty intense. <laughs> so they're on fire, but they're not consumed by fire. I'm trying to, if you guys, if you've got that imagination going, maybe you can visualize what this might have been like for Isaiah. And they are all calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And so saying holy three times was a reference to the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And in Hebrew literature, intensity is communicated by repetition. So this is a all-caps, epically holy God with at least 10 exclamation points. So this is a big deal, what's happening here. And they're worshiping so powerfully that the doorposts were shaking, and smoke is a sign of the Lord's presence in the room. So imagine if we worshiped so powerfully in this room that actually the windows started rattling and the doors were shaking. Be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so Isaiah does what we would all likely do in this scenario, and he goes on to say, Woe to me! <laughs> I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. 
Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Isn't that stunning? It's beautiful. Isaiah is very aware that he is sinful, and the people he serves are sinful too. And in this moment, he has his sin removed by this burning coal, a coal so hot that even, even a burning angel could not touch it. <laughs> and this is a moment of redemption and forgiveness for Isaiah. It is an encounter with the living God. And the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, they know Isaiah's heart, and they know his response to God's holiness. They hear it, and they ask if, God, if Isaiah is willing to be sent to do what is needed. Isaiah quickly and enthusiastically responds, Yes, I am willing. Here am I. Send me. So I know it's really, really easy to read a story like this and think, wow, Isaiah must have really been something. <laughs> or cool story, but what's the point? I thought we were talking about prayer today. I'm not sure I heard a prayer. So today I want to encourage you in your journey in communicating with God, and I want to leave you with just a couple tools maybe in your tool belt for your prayer practice. I am the prayer pastor after all, so I can't leave you guys without that today. Um, but maybe, maybe just maybe, there's something in here that maybe you have never even considered as prayer. Based on what we just read in Isaiah 6, I want to reflect on three observations, three highlights that I found to be very helpful and powerful um, as we talk about prayer and in this conversation that we get to take away from the conversation between God and Isaiah. And these are three ways that I see them connect and relate to one another, how they interact in this text. So the first point is that, or the first observation is that Isaiah had to be present and listening in order to see the vision and hear the message that God had for him. Isaiah had to be present and listening in order to see the vision and hear the message that God had for him. So often I think when we, when we think of prayer, we often think, um, or we go to God in prayer maybe, we think it's pretty much just a way to take our requests to him, our needs, our wants, the things going on in our life, and we just kind of hand them over and then we go on with our day. So prayer really becomes all about asking for things, right? Which is important, and it's good, and I want to encourage you, don't stop doing that. <laughs> God wants to hear those things. But just imagine if this happened in your earthly relationships. What if whenever I met Karma for coffee, I show up, I sit down across from her, I immediately launch into all of the th ways that I need her to move or 
things I need her to do, things I need her to give me. I do that for 10 minutes, and I just keep talking to karma. <laughs> and then I say, amen, and I get up and I leave. <laughs> karma and I would probably not be friends for very long. She'd be like, that's weird. That's that, I'm not going to go through that anymore. That's not, that's not how this should go. But the truth is, family, we do this with God. We take our requests and we just kind of peace out. So it's a good thing he's very patient. But there is so much more to prayer than that. What if the invitation to prayer is to let him talk first? To let him have the first word? We often think it's up to us to take the first step towards God. But what if God is always the one to take the first step towards us? What if he is just waiting for us to stop, to listen, to commune, and simply be with him? So we see that Isaiah first had to be present and listening in order to see the vision and hear the message. We see this in a few short words when he says, I saw the Lord. He had to be aware. He was paying attention. His spirit was oriented towards God. We actually don't know what Isaiah was doing, what time of day it was when he received this vision, but we know he wasn't distracted. So it's kind of like those text messages and those voicemails we get. <laughs> Sometimes we're just preoccupied. We get busy. We forget, we get caught up in our daily to-dos, our life circumstances. But what if God wants to give you visions and messages like he did Isaiah, and you're just too distracted to get them? I know I can so often fall into this. <laughs> One of the ways that the Lord has really encouraged me lately in prayer and in my relationship with him is to just pay attention throughout my day. So when I'm at the grocery store, when I'm picking up my nephews to go see a movie, when I'm getting ready in the morning, just normal, everyday kind of life stuff to just be a little bit more aware of what he's doing, what he might be saying. Because God wants to communicate with me, not just in my designated prayer time or whenever I have a moment to spare. It's so easy to miss the opportunity to acknowledge his presence by simply saying hi wherever I am. God still uses prophets like Isaiah, but he doesn't have to. What Jesus did on the cross created direct access between God the Father and us to relay messages and communicate directly to us today. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. Through the person of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit in us, we have open lines of communication. We don't ever have to worry about there being a blockade or something between us. He is ready to talk. And just like a parent or a spouse or a good friend, God wants to have everyday, two-way conversations with us. And in prayer, a great place to start 
is to just simply acknowledge God's spirit with you wherever you are, whatever you're doing in that moment. We also need to get quiet enough to listen, to learn the sound of his voice, to let him steer the conversation. John 10 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus is saying that the sheep, that's us, <laughs> we learn the sound of the shepherd's voice so they know where to go. Jesus is our good shepherd, and he wants to help us. He wants to direct us, guide us. But in order for us to hear him, we actually need to be quiet. It's very, very hard to hear when we're talking. Pete Gregg, the co-founder of the 24-7 prayer movement in the UK, says, the best way to start praying is, therefore, to actually stop praying. <laughs> to pause, to be still, to put down your prayer list and surrender your own personal agenda, to stop talking at God long enough to focus on the wonder of who he actually is, to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. So rather than using prayer as this one-way conversation, what if we stopped and took a moment to listen first? What might he want to share with us? The creator of heaven and earth wants to talk to his kids. And the question for us today is, are we paying attention? So my hope and prayer today is that you all leave knowing that God wants to speak with you, that he loves you, he's for you, he likes to be around you, he has things to tell you that are on his mind. He has things that he wants, wants to share, that he longs to communicate every single day. So the question is, if this happened, if we actually did this, if we were aware of God's presence, if we were aware that at any moment we could stop, we can recognize, oh, he's here with me. Okay, Lord, what do you have on your heart? What do you, what do you want to say? What would change in our lives? Would you feel, would you think, would you act any different? Would the lives of those around you be affected, maybe? Even Jesus had to rely on this everyday conversation with God the Father, which I think is quite encouraging. John 5 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. There's this really intimate connection. They had to stay really close. And Jesus' entire ministry was done from this place of connection and intimacy with the Father. It's why he so often, you know, you'll see throughout scripture, he just leaves. <laughs> He's like, this great, amazing thing happened. And you would think Jesus, God incarnate, would maybe stay and take a moment and just kind of take it in. He's just fed 5,000 people and all this wonderful stuff is happening. And he's like, actually, I need to go be with my father. Actually, I need to go be alone. I need to be in silence. I need to be in solitude. What a gift for us, right? In our busy, noisy, crazy world 
But that is actually the invitation before us. It's not do more. It's do less. Stop. Be. Be present with him. In the pages of Genesis and Revelation to Revelation, God is speaking. And if he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I think we can rest assured that he still wants to communicate to you and I. And he speaks in a myriad of ways that I wish we had all the time in the world today to get into. <laughs> you may not hear an audible voice, but maybe you will. God speaks through scripture, through nature, through impressions, other people, so many, so many things. My personal favorite is when God just gives me a sense of peace that I know is from him. Anyone else experience this? Yeah. I think he loves to give us peace. Lately, so many of my prayers are really just silence <laughs> between God and I. You know when you go on a road trip with a family member or friend, and you get to this place in the trip, and you've eaten all the snacks, and you've done the music trivia, and you've talked about all of the things, and there's just this kind of lull in the conversation and everything goes quiet. That is the invitation that God has for us to be so comfortable with one another that we know he's there and we know he's sitting right there. He's present. We don't have to talk. We don't have to go back and forth. We don't have to, you know, give him a list of things. We get to just be. It's such a beautiful thing that he gives us. <clears throat> So the first observation is that Isaiah had to be present and listening in order to see the vision and hear the message that God had for him. And you're thinking, wow, we just got through one of the observations? Okay. It's okay. The last two are really short. This is God's invitation to us. So secondly, we see that Isaiah reacts in a human way. <laughs> he is very aware of his sin. In much the same way, I think we would all react in this moment where Isaiah says, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. Isaiah is filled with sorrow. He's filled with despair. He is very aware of his sin, and he's thinking, I'm just, I'm going to be destroyed in the power, in the presence of such power and glory. There's no way I'm going to survive this. And I know I just said that God wants everyday conversation with us, but I'm sure you're thinking, that does not sound like an everyday conversation with God. <laughs> He's seeing a burning angels, God seated on his throne, the doorposts are shaking. But there's something in this story that I just love, because Isaiah, again, this great prophet, he's been used by God. He is very, very aware of his humanity. And he is also aware of God's holiness and his sin in comparison. And I think it's here in this exchange, in this comparison, which is right to do so, this is where we find ourselves so often. And I think one of the main reasons why praying and just getting close to God in general is that we just feel inadequate. We feel like we shouldn't be around him. We should keep our sin hidden and tucked away. We believe we can't be used by him if this stuff over here is happening. We think it's probably too much for him anyway, and I'm not sure how he would react if he found out. 
I hate to break it to you, fam, <laughs> but he already knows. He knows every single thing about you, and he calls you beloved, and he calls you redeemed. And it is from this place of love and the atoning work of Jesus that Jesus takes the sin. He takes the messes we make, the bad decisions, the things we keep hidden, and he redeems us and he calls us to something greater, to his way of living, to his righteousness. The heart of our good Father, our good and loving God, is to remove the sin from our lives so that we become more like him, so we can live in accordance with God's will and his character, so we can enjoy the goodness of a life lived close to him. And when we align ourselves with God and his plans for our lives, we are living in a way that pleases him and brings him glory. It is possible to be free from the stuff that entangles us and keeps us from giving and receiving love. So the more we're up front, the better. And I know this is a tough one because it's really, really easy to disqualify yourself and let shame rule. We don't know exactly what Isaiah's uh, sin was. It could have been, um, he uses the word unclean lips, and I wonder if he was gossiping or slandering. Maybe he was lying. We don't actually know. And while we certainly do these things with others, we can easily do them to ourselves too, right? We take ourselves out of the running because we feel totally unworthy. In my experience, we are the most critical of ourselves. So let's take a look at how quickly and beautifully God responds to Isaiah's confession. It is not a lengthy, you should have, I wish you would have, I really hope this is the last time, Isaiah. It's not a speech before offering forgiveness. The Lord's gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love response is, it's done. It's forgiven. Your guilt is removed. And he quickly follows it up with, who's in? Who can I send? And Isaiah responds, pick me. I want to go. So when Isaiah sees God, he reacts in this very human way. He's aware of his sin, but God frees him from the sin, and he's able to respond to God's request with a willing yes. It's a very short turnaround, my friends. He says, I can't, and God says, but you can because I made it so you can. And that brings us to the third observation. Isaiah doesn't know what he is saying yes to before he answers God. Think about that for a second. I don't know about you guys, but most of my here am I, sends, send me's come with a little bit of a caveat, with some if, ands, and buts. Here am I, send me, if this is how things are done and I have control over what happens. Here am I, send me, and there's a time limit. Here am I, send me, but not there. Please, God, not there. Doing that, I don't think I have what it takes. Anyone relate? <laughs> so, a little bit of a personal story here. Um, and I promise, we are right at the very end. Um, back in 2019, um, I would have considered, in hindsight, I would have very much considered myself a workaholic. 
Um, Karma could attest to this. She's shaking her head yes. That's a good friend right there. <laughs> um, I was working 60, 70 hours a week. I had three jobs, two, two new businesses. Um, to be honest, I think I was just doing what I thought needed to be done in order to survive. Um, uh, but I had very little time <laughs> outside of work. Um, and that's a sign, you know, that you're doing too much. Uh, there was no margin, there were no days off. Um, I would just, one day would roll into the next and I would just keep going. And uh, just before I reached the stage of total burnout, the Lord was gracious enough to give me an opportunity to get away for a month and uh, I was able to go and travel and um, see some people that I really love, be in some, a place that I really love. and. <laughs> in that time, I read a book about slowing down, about hurry, about Sabbath, and it completely changed my life. Um, it was a moment that the Lord had ordained for me to stop, <laughs> to reflect on my life and see that things were not going, things were not going in a good trajectory. This is not going to end well. And I came back from that trip, and I was very excited. I had this whole list, of, you know, a plan for how I was going to orient my days. And just a few months later, COVID hit. And God has a great sense of humor. And I had established uh, Saturdays as my Sabbath, so just a day of rest, a day of delight and worship, of just being, of shutting off all the things, um, and he really challenged me because I said, well, God isn't every day Sabbath right now. You know, there's not a whole lot going on in the world. And he said, well, here's your chance. Here's your chance to, to actually get this ingrained into your life. Because what I needed to realize wasn't that Sabbath was the fix-all, but that I actually could, could stop. <laughs> that I actually could, could just be, be a human. Because I think in order to be present with God fully, we kind of have to be present with ourselves first. And it was a place that he took me to that was very uncomfortable. And um, I can say, when I look back, that it was such a pivotal moment in my life. I would not be standing here today if he had not done that work of slowing me down, of stopping me. And it was through that journey of slowing down, because that was the first step. I had to first slow way down <laughs> and say no to a lot of things. And if you, you guys don't know me, but I like to say yes. <laughs> and it was a real challenge um, to say no and to be really diligent. And over time... God grew something in me of actually craving the stillness, of craving the, the margin and getting, e getting easier and easier to say no um, because I knew that saying no was saying yes to something much better where I was more present to myself, to the people I love, uh, in the ministry that I was doing. And when I think back on that, I think, well, specifically when it comes to prayer, <laughs> There is no way I could do this job without that, without that season. 
And so God was preparing me. If you, if you, you know, you're thinking about these observations, we're present and listening. I can see the trajectory that God was preparing me for, that he was, we're going to go in a different way. You're actually going to be slowed down enough to be able to do this work that I have for you and to lead from that place of quiet. And I'm not perfect, you guys, at all. <laughs> uh, there are many, many weeks. This last week I worked four 12, 12 hour days in a row. So um, we're all in good company here. But what it taught me overall was that in order for me to actually say yes to the thing that God had prepared for me and this new job and this new work, which um, some days can feel like a lot, that I actually had to know how to do those things. I know how to be still with him. I know how to receive those messages and listen and pay attention. So that's the invitation for all of us today, I think. Wherever you are at um, in your journey, in your story, you might be thinking, um, it's not really my schedule, it's just that I, I fill up my life with other things. Maybe there's distractions, maybe there's really wonderful things that are keeping you from God. I love Isaiah's response to the Lord, and it's very inspiring. Um, and we're actually going to just take a minute today to get quiet with God so that we can hear him, so that we can respond if there's a message he wants to relay to us. I love that we can actually say yes to God without knowing what it might cost that he's good enough to take care of us, to know what we need in that place. God can do a lot with a willing heart. So friends, we are going to actually just end with a prayer practice. We're not going to do worship today to close. So I'm going to just invite you right now to just close your eyes, bow your head, be comfortable. This might be new for you. That's okay. We're all in good company here. And we're just going to ask the Lord a few questions. Use our imaginations. Lord, we thank you for who you are and the ways that you meet us right where we're at. So, Lord, I ask right now that you would help to still us, to quiet our souls, to quiet our minds, to remove distraction. Lord, I wonder... Is there a message that you want to relay to your people right now? Would you share that?
God, is there something keeping us from spending time or listening to you? Would you just reveal those things to us right now? Is there anything that you want to set us free from? Is there anything that you need us to respond to in this moment? Is there an invitation to say, yes, here am I, send me? I'm grateful for all of the ways that you speak to us, that you speak to your kids with kindness, with love, with encouragement. I'm especially grateful that you can speak to us even in the, the stillness, in the silence. Lord, help us. Help us to slow down and be more present to your voice, more present to your being with us. Thank you, Lord, that your promise is to never leave us or forsake us. And God, we can rely on that truth every day. We thank you for your compassion and your slow to anger response. God, when we mess up, when we sin, when we do things that hurt your heart, we thank you, Lord, that you receive us with open arms time and time again, that the, those things don't disqualify us from serving you, and that in the unique ways that you have made each person here, God, that you have something special for them to say yes to. And that might be just raising kids right now, <laughs> and that is a beautiful thing. In whatever way that looks, God, I ask for your encouragement. I ask that you would bless this community with strength, with wisdom, with foresight, with vision, like Isaiah received, Lord, that would just blow them away. Reveal your glory, Lord. May they encounter you, the Holy of Holies, May that be the desire, Lord, and the hunger for this community, 
is to see your face and nothing else. Lord, thank you for the way that you move among your people. I thank you that we get to be here together in this moment, worshiping you, learning about you, praising you, being still with you. We love you. Amen. Thanks, church. It's been wonderful to be with you today. Um, I'm going to send you out. Um, I'm a guest speaker. We went a few minutes long, but it's okay. That's how it goes, right? Um, if you need prayer today, uh, Karma and I will be up here, and maybe if, if one of you feels uh, led to pray today, um, but we would love to just pray, pray with you um, if there's some kind of response that you have to this message. But I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. Enjoy.